As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write this off. Hello and welcome to Two Stars, the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. Every week we convene to discuss all the big happenings trendside in the company of The Athletic's Reds aficionados. In this, our final episode of 2020, we're reflecting on Tuesday's win against Sheffield Wednesday. We'll ponder whether Joe Worrell's comments in the wake of the Reds' defeat to Brentford were a help or a hindrance, answer your questions, look ahead to the festive fixtures and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Hello, listener. Thanks for joining us as we try and work out what on earth is going on with the two-time European champions. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Hi, Paul. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. And also with us, the transcendent Nick Miller. Hello, old boy. You really, you're not leaving yourself many places to go with these intros. No, I'll take it though. Transcendent, I'll take transcendent now and then uh, apathy for the rest of the season. Okay, fine. Um, given it's Christmas, let's have some some forest players, past or present, with Christmas related names, please. The more tenuous, the better. Nick, what have you got for us? Uh, all right. Well, you want tenuous? Okay. Um, let's. What should we go with here? All right. Nicky Deep and Crispan Eden. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Haven't that? Uh, I've also got Darren Wassail. Okay. No. no? Mm. All right. All right. And I've also got this is this is sort of tenuous in a different way, but um, inspired by some um, reindeer themed bunting that I have uh, in our uh, our house here, Jack Bunting, which uh-huh. uh, who I include f- uh, self indulgently for you and me, Matt, because apparently he was born in Bingham. He's got a oh, suspicious. Lovely. Yeah, a suspiciously thorough Wikipedia page for someone who only played a few <laughs> times in the 1920s. But uh, you know, he was he was born in our um, in our hometown. What is a surprise is I've only lost one there, and it was Jack Bunting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what else can you offer us, then, Paul? Pigs in blackets. Nice, <laughs> nice. Frankincense Clark. Uh, yes, yeah. I've, yeah. I've got loads here. Oh, my favourite, Barry Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> 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 oh, it's strong it's very strong um i'll lob in mustafa Karyl, carol uh david leftover turkey curry and hey. uh, <laughs> you know when when you get a cracker you pull it and you go 
Oh, there's a hat. There's a, a disappointing piece of plastic masquerading as a toy. And oh, look, there's a joke in here. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, think, we have... I think that might be the proudest I've ever been when I came up with that at about two o'clock this morning. Listener, we have spent, uh, what, what, it doesn't matter how much time we've spent, we've spent too much time on these. Very athletic, isn't it, to, to come up with these kind of things. Um, all right, that was fun. Speaking of the athletic listener, right now, if you subscribe, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Wave goodbye to 2020. Say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of the athletics' unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com slash forestpod. That's theathletic.com slash forestpod and sign up now. Okay then, to Wednesday, the Sheffield variety, I mean. Uh, Well, incredible stuff. Forrest actually won a game. Uh, Paul, you you were on hand to to witness it live. Was it astonishing? (laughs) <laughs> on many levels, yes. Uh, you kind of sat and watched it and you thought, oh, this is good. It, it, it felt very unusual, you know. The, the Forests were always in control, really. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday had short spells where they they, you know, they dominated possession, but but they very rarely created much of any note. And, and Forest just always felt like they were in control. And, and there were so many positives from the game. Um, Mighton was superb down one flank with trickery and ambition and that youthful kind of bravery that you get in young players who are just finding their feet in, in the game and on the other side Sami Amiobi decided to have one of his good games and uh, was unstoppable at times. Cafu was superb linking up play in a kind of number 10 role uh, and we did a big piece on him after the match just looking at how when he first signed there was this kind of conception, this, this idea that he was uh, going to be another defensive midfielder. People kind of, there was a collective sigh when he signed because they'd already got players like uh, Arta uh, Basharu, uh, Yates was already at the club, Sauer was already at the club, and there's kind of this feeling of, oh no, another defensive midfielder. But what we've discovered a few months later, now he's finally getting a chance, is that he's far, far more than just a defensive midfielder. In fact, he isn't a defensive midfielder. He's he's very much more attack-minded, energetic, dynamic, and, and always seems to want to pass the ball forward, which made a real difference just in, in the way that Forrest were linking up play and creating chances and uh, just generally looking like they had a little bit more threat in the final third uh, because of his set-piece delivery as well. He was good from corners on free kicks and that's something they've been missing. Harry Arter, to be frank, hadn't been particularly good on this front, but but Cafu all of a sudden against Sheffield Wednesday was whipping in corners that actually had a bit of threat. Had there been a crowd there, people might have actually been excited at Forest having a corner. We haven't said that for a while. Uh, it, it was just good all round. You know, I could go through the entire team and talk about how how good they all were. Uh, you know, Ribeiro was brilliant at left-back. Cyrus Christie played well at right-back. So came into the team alongside Worrell at the back and they looked like a very good pairing. So lots and lots of positives to take. Without getting too carried away, it is only one win against a very poor-looking Sheffield Wednesday side. But but goodness, how, how good did it feel to be... How good does it feel now to be talking about a Forest win for a change and not talking about where things have gone wrong for months? Yeah, it's certainly the first time we've been able to do it in a while. Nick, I felt there was there was actually a sense of optimism that hadn't been there in recent weeks as soon as the team sheets dropped. You know, seeing that that So had, uh, had come in, obviously Figueredo was suspended, but that Mighton was given a chance too, and that obviously Lewis Grabham w- was back on the bench. You suddenly thought, hmm, actually, this looks like quite a decent team. 
Yeah, you kind of sort of got into that mentality of Houston being a, um, a relatively conservative manager, which you know is is not in is not sort of necessarily a criticism or a bad thing, but you sort of don't necessarily associate um, you know quite relatively significant shakeups to the, to the team. I know there's really really a, f- a few changes, but putting in So and Mighton, two very young players he could you know um Houghton could very easily have just you know kept with Joe Lully or he could have replaced Figueredo with you know Michael Dawson or someone more experienced but to take a you know bit of a gamble on some young and exciting players you you're right it kind of before the game you felt genuinely optimistic and not just because (laughs) Forrest were playing a um pretty desperate Sheffield Wednesday team yeah, they did look quite bad. Um, I mentioned it right at the start, Paul, that, that Joe Worrell interview, you know, where he said that it was rubbish and, and the Forest players were, were teammates rather than friends. Uh, on a related note, Casual Barry's tweeted the show to ask, is morale in the Forest ranks as low as some people suggest? They looked together the other night. I mean, we, we spoke last week about about them not being able to go out and socialise and stuff, but there's, there's nothing that helps team bonding like picking up points, is there? No, exactly. I think when you've got such a large squad, there's bound to be a certain amount of cliques in there, just purely because there's so many players in the dressing room and there's going to be a group of players in there, for example, who aren't getting games at the minute or aren't even close to being in the squad. Uh, you know, they're not in the 25-man squad. I, I wonder how the mentality of somebody like Tendai Rickwer is, for example. Now, he's a really good guy. He's he's somebody who was, you know, born and raised within a stone's throw of, of the city ground. And, you know, this club will mean a lot to him. I'm not saying he's going to be a negative influence in particular, but he's not going to be in the best of moods when he's sort of knowing full well that he's not anywhere near getting in the team. And he's not sat there on a Friday thinking, oh, am I going to be in the squad or not? Because he knows he isn't. And... It, that can't be a good state of mind to be in for anybody. And there's going to be three or four players like that in the squad at the minute who are all in that same boat, for example. So it's got to be hard to maintain unity and togetherness when when you've got that situation. And I, I feel a little bit for Chris Hooten trying to kind of juggle that situation. Uh, at the same time, one thing that struck me before the game um, it, it, the other day against Sheffield Wednesday was was how relaxed Lloyd Kenby so was. He, he obviously knew that he was going to be in the team. He prepared to, to play against Sheffield Wednesday. And as the players came out to have a walk around the pitch, he wandered off on his own before the game and was stood in the six-yard box uh, at one end, uh, dancing. He'd, he'd clearly got his headphones in. <laughs> uh, he'd got these big white trainers on and he was throwing some shapes. He, he was clearly the most relaxed man in the city ground. He's about to get another chance in the first in the first team, having not played for a while. And he, he, he's there spinning around throwing shapes before the game. So... Uh, I don't think there's much tension in there, if that's anything to go by. He was certainly relaxed ahead of uh, ahead of what was a massive game. Had Forrest lost, the the dynamic would have felt very different this week. So I, I thought that was a positive sign as well as being quite amusing. I'd love to know what he's listening to, but it was clearly something very funky. <laughs> French jazz would be my guess. <laughs> um, Nick, the other thing that's going to help the morale of the squad is having Lewis Graben back, isn't it? On the score sheet, obviously, but but just being there. I know he hadn't scored this season and, and he had a pretty barren run at the end of last, but, but he's definitely a talismanic figure and, and somebody that you can look to and say, well, this guy's got the proven record that even if he has a dry spell, he is going to come good for us in this league at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's the it's the old thing about this is why he's not, you know, one of the reasons why he hasn't, made it in the Premier League in that he, he does have these kind of dry spells where um, he looks, you know, he, he he almost looks like he's um, 
being actively harmful to the team rather than even just sort of neutral and not contributing anything. But it's that it was a sort of classic Lewis grab and finish, really making something that the, the type of finish it was kind of outsiders right foot right in the corner of the net it was a very sort of pleasing trip round the net as it went in the side um, it's the sort of thing that he makes look very easy um, and it's also the sort of thing that if he'd have hit it straight at the goalkeeper partly because of his his sort of style it would have been in, incredibly infuriating and you, you just kind of think oh here we go again with, with Grabham um, it's when he gets it right he's probably the most or among the most clinical strikers in the championship. It was probably a foul, though. Um, yes, and, and it was weird know, to see the Sheffield Wednesday player kind of celebrating it with him. Yeah, he, <laughs> um, uh, Moses Arbajo, uh, he did sort of slightly clarify after the game on Twitter. He was he was saying he, he was laughing in a kind of well, that was obviously a foul, so the goal's not going to be allowed sort of way. But it is a bit of an odd way to express your disgust at a refereeing decision by high fiving the chap who scored the goal, um, <laughs> and you know, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 you're you're always tempted to kind of go, oh well, this is going to get jumped upon by um, you know various uh, people overreacting on the internet. But I don't know if uh, Joe Worrell had done that to a Sheffield Wednesday player who'd scored a goal. I'm not sure I would have been enormously impressed. Uh, lastly, on the Wednesday game, Paul, fascinated to know, in an empty stadium, just how loud and off-putting was Tony Pulis as you were trying to write your match report? <laughs> he was brilliant. He never. In fact, there was, I don't know who it was, but there was somebody in the director's box who kept telling him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. There was a, At one point, Pulis kind of turned around because he could obviously hear him and he, he kind of looked at him and there was this kind of brief standoff between this bloke in the director's box and, and Tony Pulis. But uh, yeah... Uh, until you've witnessed Tony Pulis without a crowd, you don't realise quite how shouty he is. It's constant from start to finish. I don't know how he still had a voice left at the end of the game because uh, it, it it was just relentless uh, and it was wonderful. I, I really enjoyed it because he, he was having a miserable time, bless him. And when, when Forrest scored that goal, uh, Lewis Graben's goal, where there, there was that slight hint of a foul, shall we say, uh, he was absolutely incandescent. He, I, I thought he was going to explode. It was it was outstanding stuff. It was lovely. I don't know what it is. There's something about the pitch of his voice that just really cuts through everything. I mean, it, I, I, I've experienced it at games with fans, and you know, you can hear it over the fans. And when there are quiet moments in the crowd, it really kind of really slices through you. But my God, imagine! I can only imagine um, what it must be like to hear that in a in an empty stadium. It's like the Billy Davis whistle. Do you remember Billy Davis's whistle? It's like the loudest <laughs> thing you've ever heard. A very small man emitting this loudest noise. It, it was incredible. That could be the title of Billy Davis's autobiography, couldn't it? A very small man <laughs> emitting a very loud noise. <laughs> oh, Christ, imagine that the, I do not envy the lawyer who has to go through Billy Davis's autobiography. <laughs> you know what? In- interestingly, I was told he'd actually written one a few years ago. Of course uh, he has. And I suspect that the reason we haven't seen it is perhaps not the fact that publishers aren't interested, but the fact that lawyers have gone through it and it's been left like two pages long. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I can imagine it just being, you know, chapter after chapter of, yes, he's a twat. This is how he did me wrong. This is how he <laughs> stitched me up. And, and and very little else aside from that. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> uh, let's get to some random Twitter questions that we've been sent in. Richard Elliott wants to know, will 2021 be less catastrophic than 2020 has been for Nottingham Forest? <sighs> 
difficult one to say, Richard. What, what do you think, Nick? It, 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 I was going to say it can't get any worse, but we could get relegated to League One. Yeah, it's a very uh, that that was that's kind of my in, that was my instinct to say. Well, you know, this this year has gone so badly on a number of, in a number of ways, um, including and um, excluding Forest. So you're tempted to say, well, it can't get any worse, but uh, history has proved us wrong on that on that count. So it very much can get worse. I don't think it will, though. Um, I think what we saw on on Wednesday night. I mean, as Paul said, it wasn't just that Forest won, but it was that that it was a very encouraging performance that you you think would have. Um, beaten a better team than than Sheffield Wednesday. So from that, there is plenty of encouragement that there are more of those performances and more of those wins to come. Not going to predict great things for Forest, but I can't see that it's going to be quite as bad as it, as it has been in 2020. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And Chris Hutton will have had some time to bet in Paul, won't he? That's the thing. And, and we know that he is proven at this level and, and should should surely be able to at least take Forrest away from a relegation scrap. Yeah. I mean, b- before the game against Wednesday, there was this question starting to rise about whether Chris Hutton was the, one of the problems or, or still the solution. And I always felt that he was still the solution. Um, you know, he's got a great track record at this, at this level. He, he's been in relegation fights before at Brighton and Norwich, you know, and had mixed success if we're honest on those fronts, but, you know, did pretty well, particularly at Brighton. Uh, uh, you always got the sense that he he was still the right man to, to get them out of trouble. When you start to look at alternative managers they could bring in, there was none that kind of stood out and made you think, well, he's far better than Chris Hewton. He would be a, a trade-up, if you like. So it, it it is good that he's starting to find his feet a little bit, getting to know this this massive squad he's inherited and what their strengths and, and, and weaknesses are. And Cafu's probably the case in point, you know. He admitted himself after the game, Hewton, that, that Cafu was miles away from uh, being in the first team frame when he first arrived as manager. But in training and perhaps a little bit through circumstance as well, when other players have got injured, he's, he's got his chance. And... Um, when you give a player an opportunity, it's down to them to show what they can do. And, and Cafu's you know, done that brilliantly and, and shown that he can have a part to play. And I think with time, it's things like that that, that perhaps Hewton will discover and, uh, and find out you know, if there is the odd hidden gem in, in the team. Uh, I'm, still, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Fouad Bashiru again because back in the summer, uh, Sabri Lamucci felt that he was his most significant signing. And I know his background was unusual and the fact he's, he's played in Sweden and Scotland predominantly but but he really thought he was the one that was going to make Forrest tick and and be the perhaps the kind of figure that Ben Watson was when he was in the side so uh hopefully he'll be back from injury soon and in many ways he'll he'll feel like a new signing won't he yeah absolutely speaking of signings a couple of questions um to finish off this section Mark Mark wants to know does Hewton have targets in mind in January any specific positions and also is he likely to extend Knockart's deal have you heard anything on that Paul uh, on knockout, uh, no, I haven't heard anything on that. I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't, because he's he's somebody that they rate very highly, and obviously he's worked with Hewton before. Uh, and whilst, if we're being entirely honest, I don't think we've by any means seen the best of him. 
we have in flashes seen what he's capable of. There's been matches this season where he's been the only player that's looked like doing anything at all attacking-wise. So I think they'd be keen to hang on to that kind of uh, influence in a side that, that has, if we're entirely honest, lacked a bit of attacking threat at times. I, I don't think you'd want to be in a hurry to lose uh, a player of his calibre at a time when people like Freeman are still injured, for example. Um, if, if they can do a deal and it doesn't involve them... Uh, paying any money immediately in January. If they could extend the loan until the end of the season, I think it would be an absolute no-brainer to to tie that one down, perhaps with an option to buy at the end of the season if he does well in the second half of the campaign. But uh, yeah, I I think they probably will look to do that. As for for his other targets, uh, Chris Hooten, I asked him about this the other day and he said no. He said he hadn't pinned down any uh, definite deals that were already done. But my hunch is that he was probably playing that down significantly. I'd be amazed if... uh, if they haven't got deals in place ready to go. Uh, not least the fact that I, I think they're likely to go back in for Grzycki again for the 47th time and see if they can make that one work. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 as we know, he was a minute away from signing in, in, on the last deadline day. So uh, hopefully the paperwork will be done in plenty of time now because they've had four or five months to work on it. Yeah, there's no excuse, is there? Um, finally, great question here from Ed. Excluding Matty Cash, which former Forest player still playing would you bring back to the club in January with unlimited funds available? Who are you going for, Nick? Well, it's, it's both an emotional and a, a practical one uh, this season. I'm still Miss Ben Osborne. I'd like him oh. back, please. Um, and, you know, it, it, an, an emotional one because of the, the Derby goal, which means a, a, a huge amount to me for various reasons, but um, he's also he's also just a, a, an excellent player who could fill in any number of gaps in the the Forest team at the moment, and um, I'd love to see him back. Yeah, go back and listen to um, the interview that Paul did, which we put up on the show with Gary Brazil and, and the effusiveness with which Brazil spoke about Ben Osborne really stood out for that. Uh, anybody that that springs to mind for you, Paul? Well, th- my heart would have said Super Benny as well. Uh, I think most people know of my. my my, my fondness for Mr. Osborne. Uh, I think he was hugely underrated, but but I, I was actually going to skip over that because people take the mickey out of me for, for how much I, I like Ben. Uh, so I was going to say Mikel Antonio, just purely because of his sheer power and uh, he was just brilliant to watch at times. He, he was literally unstoppable. I think there was a, a game against Rotherham where there's a fantastic picture in the archives of it was almost like that picture of uh, Maradona where there was all those Belgian players surrounding him. There was all these Rotherham players surrounding Antonio, uh, like five or six of them just waiting to see which direction he was going to go in. And I'm pretty certain they still wouldn't have been able to stop him. He, at his best, he was phenomenal at Forest. It's a, it's a shame how it worked out at the end when he decided that he, he wasn't mentally fit to play, having uh, you know had approaches from elsewhere. But, but when he was in a mentally fit place to play for Forest, he was brilliant. Absolutely unstoppable. It would be quite interesting to see what uh, Antonio was lighting in a Forest team where the sole tactic wasn't give it to Antonio and see what happens. <laughs> um, yes, let, and then let him give it to Brett Sambalonga. It's worth mentioning, of course, that we are, what, it was this time last year, wasn't it? That, or, or nearly Christmas Day that Mikel Antonio crashed his Lamborghini into somebody's front garden whilst he was dressed as a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> that was possibly my favourite story of 2019. Outstanding, that was. Never forget. All right, well, today is our final show of 2020. We've got a whole bunch of upcoming games to preview. We'll do that after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So a busy schedule as ever over the festive period for championship sides. Forest, no exception. They start this Saturday, the 19th of December at Millwall. Uh, Gary Rowett can feel free to wear whatever trainers he wants, knowing there's not going to be any away supporters there to criticise. A bit up and down Millwall this season, Nick, really. But the fact that Derby won there a few weeks ago shows that, that Forest could well go there and get something. Yeah, it's not a um, a ground that I have many particular fond memories of going to with Forest. It just seems like one of those um, one of those places where uh, not necessarily that Forest lose every week, but the every time they go there, but it just seems fairly grimly inevitable that it's not going to end particularly well. Um, I mean, Mill. I think I suppose Millwall's big problem this season is too many draws. I think they've drawn the most number of games in the the Championship. You don't see many goals either for and against really um at, at Millwall and um yeah like you said if if Derby can beat them then you know chop chop Forest. Any, any chance that Scott McKenna might be back for for that one Paul? I think there is a chance he might be back but I'll be entirely honest I wouldn't put him back in anyway uh I thought MB so deserved to hold on to his place to be honest uh, alongside Joe Worrell I thought they played very well uh and and so's So's passing was was a key feature in getting Forrest forward as well. He he really can pick a pass that lad, and uh, the way he was sort of carrying the ball out from the back and then and then you know picking out a Forest player really got Forrest on the front foot. Uh, we saw McKenna do that in the past as well, of course. But I think when somebody's done well and, and played as well as So did, then you've got to be pretty unlucky to to lose your place. Yeah, it just goes to show that strength in depth, doesn't it? So after Millwall. Birmingham at the City Ground on Boxing Day. Uh, Paul, you, you get the sense that Aitor Karanka, the now Birmingham manager, might quite like to win this game. <laughs> yes, I think he might arrive at the City Ground with a, with a little bit of uh, enthusiasm, shall we say. Uh, obviously, he left he left Forest under a cloud, to say the least. Uh, I, I actually really liked Aitor. I thought he did a good job. It was a shame the way it, shame the way it worked out between him and Forest. But uh, yeah, he, he won't be short of motivation. Not. Not least because, you know, he's had an up and down time at Birmingham so far. So, yeah, it, you, we know how he's going to set up. You know how Chris Hutton likes to set up. So, uh, you don't imagine it's going to be a game of a huge amount of chances. Uh, quite a conservative outlook from both men. But but hopefully it will be like Sheffield Wednesday and, and Forrest have enough to, to get the win. There was a bit of... of dissatisfaction with the way that, that Karanka left, not just on his part, Nick, but from Forest supporters too. But I mean, you look at what he's doing with Birmingham and, and you know, it would be nice to keep a manager for a while and let them build something, but he's not exactly pulling up trees there, is he? No, I mean, I, I, it looks they look like a sort of classic classic Karanka team, like Paul, like Paul just said, it's, wouldn't bet on a huge amount of goals in, in this one. Um, they don't... They don't score. They don't concede many either. Um, I think only I did look this up earlier, and I think only two teams in the division have got had fewer goals in their games than than Birmingham. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I 
likewise I quite like Karenko and it would have been really interesting to see what he what kind of sense he made of Forrest if he'd had a little bit longer but um yeah it, it he's he is showing admittedly with um you know not a a, a stellar collection of players at, uh, at Birmingham that um he's he, he isn't necessarily the most thrilling um, manager or not necessarily the manager who plays the most thrilling football anyway. So um, we might see, it might be a kind of, this is what you could have won sort of situation and um, we might ultimately might be quite happy that we didn't win it. Yeah, they do have a decent away, away record this season. They've won at Bristol City and Reading in recent weeks, albeit they lost at Cardiff. Uh, midweek this time round. Uh, so after Birmingham, Stoke away on the 29th. Bit of a shame we won't get to see Kevin Campbell's son Tyrese up against Forest. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Stoke, of course, the team that sparked uh, Stoke, of course, the team that spanked Forest on that unforgettable final day of the season. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> but Paul Forest did actually win at the Bet 365 Stadium last season, and it was a three-two thriller. We take that again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think. That was at a period when they were struggling, wasn't it? They, they, they there's some car- comparisons to be made there, really, isn't there? In the sense that a lot of people were surprised that Stoke struggled so much for so long last season, and people might be looking at teams like Forest and, and Derby and, and wondering how they're down there at the moment. So, if Forest can do the same as Stoke did last year and climb away from trouble quite comfortably, I think we'll all be very happy, won't we? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, people have stopped talking about promotion quite, quite understandably, and it. It does seem that the dynamic of the change of the season has changed very quickly for Forest. No, the promotion hopes have quietly been abandoned, haven't they? And everybody's just now pinning their hopes on just staying up. That that's all that anybody wants at the minute. And uh, it's just strange how that that's come about in a matter of weeks. It's it's all all very very sudden in a way. Yeah, it's kind of a relief though, I think, because you spend 20 years, you know, every season thinking, is this going to be the one? If you can, by Christmas, say, well, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> At least you're not building yourself up for, for disappointment. Um, I quite fancy Stoke to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season though, Nick. I know they're going to miss the goals of Campbell, but they've got a pretty deep squad and, and somebody who looks like a very good championship manager in Michael O'Neill. Yeah, you, I'm always slightly hesitant about... Um pinning too many hopes on Stoke because they've sort of burned us all before with uh, thinking they're they're back and they're going to get promotion but they're sort of, where are they now, eighth sort of sitting just outside the playoff places Uh, they've they've had a couple of slightly iffy results recently but um, it does look tentatively, it does look like Michael O'Neill has has fixed them and he's got a sort of um, decent uh, platform on on which to sort of launch the the second half of the season. Like you said, it is a shame that uh, Tyrese Campbell uh, is going to be out for uh, the rest of the season or the majority of the season. Um, but I reckon they'll be at least in the playoffs at the end of the, at the end of the season. Yeah, me too. Uh, the final game uh, that will take place before we return is at Preston on the 2nd of January. Um, now, Nick knows, knows this about me already, Paul. I am absolutely terrified of Alex Neal. I just think that I would look at him the wrong way and he would just headbutt me or just say something incredibly mean and um, and scary. But but this might be a good opportunity for Forrest to actually pick up an away win. Preston rubbish at home this season. Only won two of nine at Deepdale at the time of recording. We, we are in optimistic mood today, aren't we? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what three points does to you, Paul. Uh, I know. To forget. I know we're all getting Against the away, worst team in the league, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't yes. pipe down. Come on. Uh, don't 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 uh, harsh our buzz. 
like like you mentioned about Millwall, I don't I don't have I can't think of many good memories I've got of going to Preston. To be honest, it always seems like Preston are one of those sides that tend to be a bit up and down, where they can be absolutely brilliant on one day and rubbish the next. And whenever Forest go to Deepdale, it seems that they are, they're on one of their brilliant days. Uh, I, I literally always head there with trepidation, not not least because it's a little bit further away than you think. Uh, it, it it's a tough one, but if they can get. If they can go there and get a win, then absolutely brilliant. I was just I'm, in my head. I'm trying to think of the last time Forest won away, uh, which probably tells Blackburn. you a story. Well, yeah, Blackburn first game in charge for Chris Hewton. Uh, similar part of the world, similar result. Yes, please, let's have it and uh, let's start looking up the table rather than over over the shoulder at the relegation zone. Happy days. My uh, mem- my main memories of uh, Deepdale. I don't think these were the same. This was the same game, but the two two of them I went to as a fan. First was I think it was the season that we got relegated into League One, um, where we were abject for about eighty five minutes, with three 0 down, and then scored two quite late goals. I think Marlon King might have scored one of them, or maybe maybe even both of them. And it was just it, them scoring those two late goals made me even angrier than I would have been if we'd have just lost three nil and you know surrendered for the given up for the last um, for the last ten minutes because it sort of seemed to sum up that team in that they were there were some very talented players and there was probably it was you know they were probably um, too talented for us to be quite so terrible that season um, but they you know they only did it. In for for five minutes when it was far too late, and the other one, which I think was a few years later, must have been a few years later, um, where I heard I think the most cutting chant I think I've ever heard at a football ground, which was when Darren Ferguson was Preston manager. I think Forest were beating them, and uh, some of the Forest fans started singing Darren Ferguson, "Your dad's ashamed of you," which was. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Jesus! I don't know how you recover from that. In fact, I don't think he did. I think he was sacked shortly afterwards. I used to love that. There was a great, there was a great montage in the in the Preston press room where they had pictures of all their managers, all the former managers, and uh, I, I, I like to believe it was done on purpose. But Billy Davis was right at the bottom and seemed to be lower than everybody else. He was like <laughs> literally an inch off the floor. Like, like we're, we're going to acknowledge you were our manager, but 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 you know, f you. <laughs> That would have been a chapter in the autobiography, wouldn't it? Definitely. (laughs) He's suggesting that Billy Davis might have irked a few people behind the scenes who who reaped their petty (laughs) revenge on them later on. I won't hear of it, Paul. Well, Forrest did you a win at Deepdale. We we can say that, that's for sure. Those four games then, 12 points, I think we've we've all agreed on them. We're going to be comfortably sat in mid-table next time we meet. Uh, Okay, nearly done for today. Still time, though, for everybody's favourite obscure Forest player feature. Yes, it's time for Did They Really Play for Forest? A slight format tweak in the last few weeks. Nick asked Paul and I uh, some questions. We have to guess who the former Forest player who maybe didn't have the most glorious time at the city ground is. I won last week, didn't I? So it was a bit of pressure probably, on me, Paul, I think. You'll probably win most weeks because I seem to be absolutely terrible at this <laughs> on every level. Uh, until it's Andy Impey, uh, <laughs> which has got to happen one week, surely. Uh, Nick, can we have the first clue, please? Well, I fear the first clue is going to rule out Andy Impey. I don't want to spoil a spoiler alert here. Okay, first clue. Before signing for Forest, I won one league title, one FA Cup, and one European trophy. Mm, Paul, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second clue. With Forest, 
I won one European trophy. Oh, okay. Uh... You might want to think think about how carefully I worded that question. That that right. clip, sorry. Okay. I won uh, one European trophy. I'm trying to think if we we never won the Anglo-Italian Cup. Uh, oh, I've got nothing, Paul. No, no, because you're obviously trying to lead us towards the the legends that won the European Cup, but it's obviously not them. Uh, Oh, mm, might be. I might hate be. this game. Might I be. literally hate it. This is, this is the low point of my week. Every week, I'm nowhere near. I haven't, got, I haven't got a single name in my head. This is terrible. No, I haven't. I was going to say Neil Webb. I'll just throw that out there. He, he's, he's not an obscure Forest player in the slightest. No, not Neil Webb. Uh, I played only four games for Forest. Charlie George. Chop. Oh, where have you pulled that from? Man alive! <laughs> what a shout! It was Charlie Merry George. Merry Christmas, everybody. I've never got that in a million years. I can I, I can actually hear bird song from somewhere, and I'm actually starting to think it's in my own head. <laughs> yeah, he played four only four games for Forest. Two of those were the um, two-legged European Super Cup against Barcelona, um, in which he scored in the first leg, I think. Um, yeah, the other for the completest, the other two clues were made my first team debut in 1969, and I'm most famous for playing for Arsenal, but also made over 100 appearances for Derby County, and played for Southampton, Minnesota Kicks, and Bournemouth. Charlie George. All right, that was good. Um, I'm in, I'm in good form. Paul, go away. Now we've got this little break. Just, just have a think. You know, how can you come back and, and, and do a bit better in the new year? Because it's, uh, it's been a bit lacklustre from you, frankly. So far. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> I'm going to be dropped. Uh, before you drop, tell us what athletic subscribers can can read from you on the site at the moment. I've, I've actually just—I'm not sure when it's going live, but I've written a review of the year, which is one of the most depressing things I've had to do in a very long time. Uh, the, one of the, one of the one of the actual questions we had to respond to was the funniest moment of the year, and I swear it took me about two days to come up with anything. Uh, I, I won't give it away now because it took me so long to come up with one, but. But Christ, what, what a depressing thing that was to do. I didn't realise how bad it had been. You know, basically, since February, things have gone absolutely tits up, to be frank. Uh, you know, after they beat Leeds, that was basically the end of anything good for Nottingham Forest. It, that was it. That, you might as well have just turned off the season from that point. Uh, and, yeah, to, to go round full circle, let's hope that 2021 20, is rather better than 2020 for Nottingham Forest, that's for sure. Can't be much worse, surely. Um, Nick, you've been very busy of late. Yeah, producing podcasts, writing articles. Uh, the two pop podcast about Pep Guardiola uh, under the Beyond the Headline podcast feed. Uh, search for that if you want to listen to that. Um, I'm also going to be uh, currently working on a few articles. Um, there's going to be a, a, a short series of profiles of some of the best young players in the championship, which I think will be going out between Christmas and New Year. So, um, so look out for them. In, uh, on The Athletic. Yeah, and remember right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It is the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Wave goodbye to 2020. Say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. The perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com slash forestpod. That's theathletic.com slash forestpod and sign up now. Uh, listener, thanks so much for your company this week and for supporting our fledgling podcast these first few months. We'll be back next year when Forest Form would have totally transformed and we'll be serious about promotion, RU, etc. and so on. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, uh, from Paul, from Nick, myself and producer Adonis, enjoy the festive period, stay safe and we'll catch up with you in 2021. Bye for now. Bye for now.